stand unclean, no one else could. In my place condemned he stood, now his nearness is my good. Hallelujah, what a Savior. It's the name of that hymn that was written by Philip Bliss, the one who created the the music to the song, It Is Well With My Soul. In the last public meeting before his death, Philip Bliss uh, conducted a service at the Michigan State Prison for over 800 inmates in which he sang that song. And in the midst, the story goes that many of them wept of how it was that Bliss spoke and sang of Jesus's salvation, singing those words, hallelujah, what a savior. Now, of course, part of that is about the the spiritual salvation, the salvation of the soul, but it is much, much more than that. It is a hope of a savior being among us there when we are in need. As the letter of Colossians writes, he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. I want to read that again. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom, the kingdom of his beloved son. So we may have heard that phrase. Maybe we've even said it ourselves. I got saved. And that has many different connotations. It has many different circumstances. Our story of salvation is our own. It is our own to tell in the way that we tell it, in the way that we have experienced it. And many times, like stories, we can, we can hear it so often or maybe even tell it so often that we have to remember and go back to the moment when that story took place so that we remember just how important it is. Because sometimes those words don't necessarily have the same power as they once did. So when we hear the phrase, I got saved, what does that really mean? We could say, I got saved as though, you know, I, I checked off a bar, box and now I'm good with God and um, doesn't really matter what happens now. We may have a story that is incredibly personal and detailed. Maybe a story even similar to that of Ebenezer Scrooge as we're in the Christmas season. So when Scrooge wakes up after his experience that has stretched him and pulled him and drained him and saddened him and excited him. And at that moment when he thinks that he is doomed, that he has gone so far that he is irredeemable, that there is no way back. He wakes up. And he wakes up and he's back in his own room. He wakes up and it's Christmas Day. He wakes up and he realizes that he has been given a second chance. If you think about it, it's a very Methodist kind of story. Because it tells Scrooge that he was never abandoned. Which we as United Methodists call prevenient grace. And he goes through this uh, transformation of justifying grace in which he makes that decision for himself to change because he sees um, the goodness that is all around him. He sees the need to get involved as he was told that it's so important to do. And he was given that 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 grace of salvation. What it is that you do next, how it is that you go forward, how you move on. Sanctifying grace. So for us, do we know what it means to be saved? And again, not just kind of that that simplistic churchy 
kind of way that we talk about salvation. Do we know what it truly means to be rescued? To totally be powerless, to feel as though this is the end only to maybe at the very last second be pulled out of that darkness. As Colossians writes, transferred out of that darkness into light, which is the kingdom of God. Bishop Carter, just a few years ago, wrote a book called Scriptural Imagination. And it's about how imagination or how scripture is not just an answer book. It's not just a manual. It's not just a guide, but it also is to ignite that spark of imagination and creativity and so much more that makes us part of God's creation of God's image. Bishop Carter writes that a scriptural imagination is the capacity to see the world through lenses given to us in scripture. But even more than that, he writes, when we see the world through these lenses, it does not just change the way we see the current world. It also changes how we see that scripture. There's a circle, he writes, between the reading of the text and the reading of the world in which we find ourselves. Scripture should prompt and ignite our imagination. It should help us to imagine the kingdom of God. So what helps you imagine Scripture? What helps you in the midst of reading Scripture imagine what it is that the story or the letter or the book is trying to message to you? How does it help you imagine the Christmas story? To imagine that Savior, to imagine being saved, to imagine a world needing saved. The character Superman helps us to imagine. His costume helps us to imagine. His powers uh, help us to imagine. The way that he uses them helps us to maybe imagine a better world. So there's obvious uh, Messiah, Savior uh, characteristics about Superman. I think it's also important to know that Superman was actually created by two Jewish people. So there is also um, glimpses of a Judeo Savior embodied in Superman. Now, the other side of that is Lois Lane. Now, one of the things that we might sometimes miss about Lois Lane is that in many ways, Lois Lane represents us. Lois Lane represents humanity. Lois Lane is cynical. She's distrusting. She dedicates her career as a reporter, really her life, to exposing these truths as a way to say to the whole world, I told you so. And so we might wonder, how can she not recognize that Clark and Superman are the same person? How is it that a simple pair of glasses stumps her? It's because she refuses to see the truth. She refuses to imagine a better world. So in the movie, Superman Returns, Superman has been gone for five years. When he comes back, he sees how the world has moved on without him in it. Most importantly, of course, Lois Lane. Lois Lane has moved on. She's found a new person. She even has a kid. She even is about to win an award on an opinion article that she wrote titled, Why the World Does Not Need Superman. 
So obviously when he hears about this, he wants to talk with her. And so one night he meets her on the roof of the Daily Planet and he says to Lois, why did you write that? And she says, because the world doesn't need a savior. And so this man of steel who bullets bounce off him, who can shrug off a nuclear exposure uh, explosion. And yes, kryptonite hurts him a bit, but when he hears her say that, he actually takes a step back. The world doesn't need a savior. And so he asks her, will you go flying with me? And so he picks her up in his arms and they fly over the streets of, of Metropolis, flying higher and higher and higher until the entire world is just kind of this mass of little lights. And he says, listen, what do you hear? And Lois says, I can't hear anything. And Superman says, I can hear everything. You wrote that the world doesn't need a savior. But every day I hear people crying for one. Just yesterday, NPR had an article on the humanitarian crisis expected to worsen in 2024. And they were talking about on the top of the list are places like Somalia, then Ethiopia, then Afghanistan, then Yemen, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. That those are the top five. The top five that are not only in incredible need now, but that need is only going to worsen next year. And they also comment that there is often next to no attention given to many of these countries, that just about 1% of media coverage ever focuses on what's going on in these places. And then the reporter said, it is also a strategic point that if the world continues to believe that while these risks are global, that resilience can only be done nation by nation, if this continues, we are going to fail. We will fail as a species. Do we allow ourselves to hear the cries of the world? of our community, of our neighbor? Do we allow ourselves to imagine God listening to the cries of the world? Bishop Carter continues to write in this book about scriptural imagination on communion. That among other things, on the way to communion, we overcome the obstacle of individualism. So imagination not only changes how we see scripture and not only changes how we see ourselves and not only changes how we see the world as a whole, it also changes how we see each other. Because imagination is not just about creativity, maybe even more importantly, imagination is about empathy. Last week was the 10th anniversary of the shooting in Sandy Hook elementary school where over 20 people lost their lives. And as some of these parents were being uh, interviewed again, one parent was talking about how so many uh, uh, would approach them or say to them in some way, you know, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine what you have gone through. And this parent says, I want you to imagine. 
Because oftentimes when we say that, when we say, you know, I, I just can't imagine what you're going through, even when the intention is good and pure even, it's a disconnect. When we say to the person who is suffering, I just can't imagine what you're going through, it's a, it's a reminder that it's only you who are going through this and I am separated from that because I just can't imagine. And I'm safe. So what the parent is saying is, I want you to imagine I want you to imagine that day. I want you to imagine that moment. I want you to imagine how I responded. I want you to imagine how I go through every single day with what has happened. Because the more we imagine, the more we are able to see, the more we are able to connect, the more we are able to respond. The more we are able to change. This is what Jesus calls us to do. And not only does Jesus call us to do this, Jesus does this. This is the heart of the story. God hears the cries of the world and doesn't say, you know, I just can't imagine what you all are going through. God connects. God empathizes. God responds literally in the mode of incarnation. God comes down to our world to our lives, to our situations, and responds in the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. This passage of Colossians reminds us that God has made us strong in the response. So may you remember that, this letter tells us. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from God's glorious power so that you may have all endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption. So imagine, imagine God being born in Jesus Christ, God incarnate for the world, an entire world crying out to be rescued, to be saved. When he comes, the hymn says, our glorious king, all his ransomed home to bring, then anew this song we will sing, all of us. Hallelujah. What a savior. So here's why family Christmas live is so important. It's not just because it's fun. It is. It's not just because kids are welcome to come dressed as whatever they want and they do. It's not because it's a fun reminder of a Christmas story and that it gives kids something fun to do and celebrate, that it allows all of us to kind of be kids at heart. It reminds us that this story and the heart behind it, the central focus of the entire miracle is Christmas, is that Jesus Christ is born for the entire world. For the Marys, for the Josephses, for the sheep, for the shepherds, for the magi, for the dinosaurs, for the giraffes, 
for the rhinoceroses. Any and all characters, any and all of creation are welcome to come to that stage and sit in that stable because the message and the joy of Jesus Christ is God is here for the entire world. And especially those who have felt rejected. For a T-Rex who has said, you know what, your teeth are too big, you're scary, you're going to scare everybody off, you can't come to Christmas. Little arms, yeah, you got the little arms, what can you do? I had the chance the other day to watch the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which I really recommend, it's beautiful. One of the reasons it's so beautiful is because all of these characters who are enjoying Christmas, they're opening presents and they're seeing all the lights. What you have to remember is each and every one of those people lost their family or their family was taken from them. And so when they meet for the very first time, they are isolated, they are alone, and they don't believe that they have any more value until they find each other. And the joy of Christmas is when people, whatever their past has been, is they are reminded that they are not alone. You are not alone. Whoever we are, wherever we are, however we are, we are welcome. So I want you to remember back to the beginning of this series. And remember that this was, there was nothing. Remember? It was all black. It was dark. And now look. Look where we are. Look at what has transpired in the midst of this Advent season. The thrill of hope that started out really vague and and amorphous. And we didn't really know what it was going to be. But look at what has happened. And Ron, we thank you for taking us on this journey. Because in the midst of that, we might have had, or at least I will confess, I had some of those moments like, I'm not really sure what that is. And Ron, what are you doing? And that's the journey sometimes, right? Sometimes we feel as though I'm right there and it's perfect and it's great and it's effortless. And other days it's just like, I don't know what this is, what it's going to be. I totally messed it up. How can I go back? And then hope is born. A thrill of hope that says, I am here for you and I'm here for the entire world and not just Christmas. And we know that, but this is what the table reminds us that is every day, every single day when we feel as though we've strayed from the path and we've forgotten the image and we don't know how to use our imaginations. God will come in and respond and say, you know what? I've been here the whole time. All you need to do is see it because once we see it, then we connect with it and we respond to it and we share it. So may that be part of the thrill of hope this Christmas season and all Christmas seasons. Share your light with the world. It is what God has called us to do. It is what God has created us to do. And may we go in the hope, in the joy, in the peace, in the love of Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas.